Welcome, 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 everyone. This is your host, Vance. They're live from Kopi Events. That's right. The month is a very special month, the month of May, which is specially dedicated to Mental Health Awareness Month. We have some fabulous speakers who just came on board and we spoke. We got Yana, we got Dr. Ravi, we got Dr. Harinder. And today I have a special guest all the way from Texas. And right now she's in Singapore. She is Shyla Coley. She's a Singaporean psychotherapist based in Dallas, Texas. And she's the founder and senior psychotherapist at Therapy Rocks. So she's going to join us for a great discussion. Hi, Shyla. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Vance. How are you? I am good. How are you, Shyla? I'm good. I'm glad to be back in Singapore. That's right. I remember uh, if my memory didn't fail me, um, last year you actually was in Texas when we do our first live show. Yes, we, we did it online and I was in Texas, yes. Yes, and now you're in Singapore. How is Singapore yes. treating you? Or how are you treating Singapore? Oh, very well. <laughs> I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to get back to the food and everything. Right. And meet my friends, you know. Okay. Yeah, and I have family here. Yeah. Thank you, Shaila, for joining us for the second year. I remember last year as well, the uh, discussion mm -hmm. was great. Um, we talked a lot of interventions as well. And today, um, our topic, let's dive straight to the topic. Of course, let's it's called normalizing therapy. Mm -hmm. um, before we even want to go in, um, Shaila, I mean, of course, there's a lot of viewers who are just joining us right now. Um, mm -hmm. It would be great if you can just do a short introduction of yourself. Okay, um, I'm a Singaporean. I have worked in the school system here for many years, uh, 25 years as a biology teacher in a secondary school, seven years as a school counsellor. So I'm very familiar with uh, young people, teenagers, and uh, the kind of issues uh, they face, you know. And um, I left, eventually I left MOE mm -hmm. to do my master's in social okay. science. And I started my own private practice, which is now six, six years old. It's okay. called Therapy Rocks. Mm -hmm. And it's largely an online practice. I see a lot of Singaporeans as well as Australians and Americans. So, um, so even with COVID, I mean, the work went on. Yeah. Um, it is quite sad, but of course, um, with the pre-COVID and, you know, people were already stressed up because of mm -hmm. workloads, especially, you know, we, we have some friends in the sales lines or even the finances sectors. Uh, they were pretty much stressed, right? With, with COVID, I think it's given them more additional pressure as well. Um, today's topic, uh, normalizing therapy. Um, maybe we want to talk a little bit of that first before we jump into our hot burning questions that lined up for our viewers. Okay. Yes. Um, the topic is a good one because yeah. there's still a lot of stigma attached to, to psychotherapy, to counseling, you know, and, uh, and um, it's, it's the cost of, of, uh, you know, maintaining the stigma and, mm -hmm. and not giving young people, especially a good experience with yeah. counseling and psychotherapy. The cost of that is very, very serious. I mean, uh, if you look at the rate of suicide mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, depression among the young, especially, it all goes to show that you know um, th this kind of stigmatization is not very helpful. Young mm -hmm. people have very little 
life experience, you know, to cope with uh, issues and problems. And they don't bounce back as quickly as an adult would. Mm-hmm. So, so that's um, why it's important to normalize uh, psychotherapy and normalize counseling. And we are very lucky here in Singapore because every school has a school counselor. Mm. I mean, that, that's a, a really a privilege, you know. And uh, this, that kind of accessibility is not common in other countries. Every school has a counselor. Sometimes yeah. they have up to three school counselors, depending on the school population. And yet, you know, why isn't a child, say, of uh, uh, 12 or 13 years old, why isn't a child given an experience of a good therapy session? Mm-hmm. You know, the attitude is that you got to get really, um, you got to be in a really bad place before you get to see a therapist. But why not make it a normal experience for a child to know what a therapy session looks like? Maybe Mm -hmm. have a mock session for a classroom so that students understand what happens during therapy. They don't go away with this kind of notions that are passed on from parents and all, you know, that therapy is only for the bad kids Mm -hmm. or kids Mm -hmm. who are unable to cope. You know, there's so much shame attached to, to getting help. So this is why this topic is important. It's important you, for Shana. teachers to know. It's important for parents to understand. It's important for the general population to understand that, you know, going to see a therapist should mm-hmm. be as normal as going to see your doctor when you're sick. So how then, uh, Shaila, uh, because we are going to go a little bit more deeper right now, how do you decide that you're in the need of a therapy? Because right now, to be very honest, um, if someone who goes see a psychologist or psychotherapist, you know, there's a big label. Uh, people put a big stigma onto them. Oh, you must be gone crazy. Or, you know, help it seems to be a big weakness in a lot of people you know it doesn't show that you're strong enough to go for that you know that help when you approach help you're actually making yourself to become much more stronger but people is it because of the stigma that people are worried is that could be the reason Shaila? yeah the stigma has its power i guess you know but then you know just simply means that we have to uh, go past that, you know, overcome that, and, and re-educate ourselves, and 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 uh, find out what therapy really is. A, is what it's about. What's the power of psychology? Applied psychology in your daily life. You know, are you going to deny yourself this whole body of science just because of what your parents told you or what a few people tell you? You know, you just need to get past that. Because the value of psychology is immense. You know, a child who is, say, 12, if, if a child of 12 has a very good experience in therapy, he's going to remember that. And he, when, he, when he faces, you know, hurdles in the future, because, you know, a child of 12 has seen nothing yet. I mean, wait till mm-hmm. he becomes an adult and he has to cope with uh, financial anxiety, for instance. His first breakup, for instance, mm. you know, at least, you know, he has had that experience of a good session and knows what to do. Because in, in the void of that, if you don't have that, what does a teenager, for example, know? I mean, what to do? I mean, they're in a dark place. 
they they have uh, shame about the way they feel, so they keep quiet. They self isolate. They they are um, you know their head is full of dark thoughts. There's so few options for young people if they if they're not exposed to what therapy is. So, right. what happens? Suicide ideation, you know, or if there's anger involved, then you know you see what's happening in the U.S. You you not only hurt yourself, you hurt other people. You you look at the shootings that happen, yeah. the mass shootings. So actually, we don't really have much much of a choice. We need to address this head on. You, the cost of not knowing what therapy is, the cost of succumbing to shame is just mm -hmm. too high. You know, Shaila, um, just just a personal question, right? Um, you know, if someone is not feeling well, they see a doctor, right? <laughs> you know, if they're having a stomach cramps, you know, probably you want to see a doctor. Uh, yeah. If your muscles are ache, probably you want to see a physiotherapist. Yeah. But, you know, um, how can we identify? I know we are jumping a little bit faster, but, you know, before we, you know, go into the question, how do one decide, you know, in need of therapy, if especially parents making the decision for their children, you know, if they see certain behaviors or if your child is isolating or, you know, giving excuses when it comes to morning, preventing from school. But apart from that, um, is, is there any signs and symptoms that one can look for, especially parents, right, um, yes. that, that they can look for? Definitely. You know, there's a cluster of traits or uh, the cluster of observations that, uh, that are red flags. You know, if you see your teenager, um, you know, on social media a lot and uh, mm -hmm. sharing thoughts or, or expressing dark thoughts, um, constantly talking about having no solutions to his problems and feeling shame about talking about his issues. So the shame is uh, followed by self-isolation. So you see school refusal, poor attendance in school. Um, the child is not interacting in, in, with his friends. Um, that, that is a person who is very vulnerable, you know. Mm. Um, and um, it, good teachers and good counselors can pick them out very quickly in a school scenario. I mean, the hopelessness, the sense of hopelessness is very profound with these kids. They are usually loners. Nobody wants to befriend them. So th those are red flags. Such a child should be pulled, as pulled aside for further work with them, you know. If there's mm -hmm. a school therapist and school therapist has to know, a school counselor needs to know um, how to, to get to them, to talk to them and, and let the parents know or share with the parents what's going on at home. Mm -hmm. You know, he's having all these symptoms. Sometimes children are the symptom bearers of problems at home. So when you contact their parents and you start talking to them, you realize what's going on. Maybe one of them has lost a job or perhaps uh, one of them has suddenly fallen very ill. I mean, a debilitating illness like cancer. You know, the child is going through a lot. So it's important for people in the front line, like teachers, to, to pick out these kids. Mm because they spend a lot of time in school. And if they don't, then why are they absent from school? Those are 
those are the signs that something is wrong. All right, so, so for, for school-going children, I mean, in, in secondary school and college, I mean, it's quite easy to pick out these kids, mm -hmm. right? But how wonderful it will be that, you know, if the school has a program that just doesn't do this alone, but gives every child an opportunity to see the counsellor. All right. First of all, okay, to get to to give you uh, a, a, an idea that may work is the the counselor can do a mock therapy session, for instance, in front mm -hmm. of a classroom, right? And uh, then they can have an interactive lesson on what the therapist is trying to do with the student. So, and it can it can entertain questions from from the students. Make make it normalized to. To, so they don't know what goes on when, when their friend goes for counselling. You know what I mean? So if every yeah. child knows what happens, all right, then every child feels comfortable about walking in to a counsellor's room and just talking about his issues. He doesn't need to be referred by a parent or a teacher. It'll be good if we can get to that point. Right. You know, you know, you know, Shaila, I mean, just to add on, on to that, um, especially a parent, uh, me as a parent, many of them, well, our audience right now can be a parent. Um, mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it, it's just a worry that, you know, if I'm going to bring my child to see a, a psychotherapist or psychologist, people may label my child, you know, with certain harsh words like, you know, which I really don't wish to say that, but, you know, those words are like crazy, mad. Uh, you have certain, um, you know, sickness or whatever, you know. Um, is there could be the reasons why parents are also could be under stress as well by not bringing their child to, you know, seek professionals? Well, the process itself is confidential. I mean, what is discussed between a therapist and the parent and the child is is confidential. So, but if if others, little kids especially, can be pretty cruel. I mean. Um, but that's where stigma starts, right? I mean, yeah. if if you can go past all of that and explain to your own child that, you know, um, it's, a, it's it's quite normal to seek help like this, to to um, for for a therapist to explore what's going on in your mind mm -hmm. and to look at the way you think and help you think in terms uh, that are more helpful and healthier, you know. Try and change your child first, you know, and and get them to to see the benefit of uh, therapy. You can't do too much, you know, but you yourself must believe in it because it's so important for your child. It's more important than the stigma. Can but you uh, I mean, of course, in the Asian context, uh, do you think that uh, parents are ready to bring their kids? I mean, as a psychotherapist, I mean, you probably have seen. Um, is there something that they really wait till the end when things go a little wilder and then they make the decision, then they seek up? Do you think that will help or is it no. better to do some interventions? With young children, I believe in early intervention, especially for anxiety. Because untreated anxiety, for instance, can lead to depression, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, when you wait too long, it becomes more difficult and you have more issues to deal with. 
it um, there are a number of things that can happen if you don't treat anxiety, which is very common with uh, children in secondary school, especially because you know there's so many demands on them academically mm-hmm. and all of that. So um, uh, it really doesn't matter if if the child has a diagnosis or whether it's subclinical anxiety. It's anxiety mm-hmm. it can be treated straight away without a diagnosis. Um, and what happens is then you can prevent depression from setting in because they usually go hand in hand. There's a feeling of hopelessness that comes with, with anxiety. And there's also a feeling of shame. You know, why am I different? Why am I scared? What, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But anxiety is so common. Who amongst your audience can say they've never felt it? You know, mm-hmm. as an adult, we feel anxious. We have financial anxiety. And we have anxiety about our health. You know, why is anxiety so unrelatable? I mean, young children feel anxiety when they are put into new situations, like going to a new school. The transition mm-hmm. from secondary school to sorry, from primary school to secondary school, from kindergarten to these are these are life transitions that right. you know you got to see it from the point of view of the child. It's frightening. It's um, it can if you don't treat it, you can have uh, physical symptoms. It can escalate to a panic attack, and all these things can be avoided because anxiety is so treatable. Right. Um, shall so I just go to hold you for a while here? Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. We have one viewer um, from the audience itself has asked, how to know if our child has anxiety? Oh, usually it, it presents as uh, with little children. I mean, I, I have presented it like that when I was a kid myself. Um, you, you, may, you may not want to go to school. <laughs> you know, okay. it's, it's not an exciting place to be at. <laughs> And uh, there's something in school that frightens you. It could be a teacher. It could be a bully. And uh, it could be the shame that is attached to comparisons and competition, right? A teacher unwittingly, or maybe a very unenlightened teacher may, may, may call somebody stupid or, you know, or even, you know, the, the, even the simple act of praising one child in the classroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can make other children feel inadequate. Mm-hmm. But this, this is a, a lesser known thing, right? So when this is going on in the classroom, a child may not want to go to school. And um, that is actually an avoidance mechanism because the child doesn't want to feel anxious. The triggers are there in school. It makes them feel bad. It gives them a stomach ache. It, yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Many of them complain of stomach aches, right? Yeah. So they will avoid that situation by staying away from school. Mm-hmm. So those are the signs. So it'll be it it'll be good if if the parent can actually go to school and find out what's going on in the classroom. Why is this child so frightened and anxious? Right. You know, uh, Shaila, especially in the Singapore, um, um, we, 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 we do have cases, but of course, I don't have the stats right now um, mm. that leads to commit suicides, um, you know, especially below the age of 20. 
um you know some some of these uh, kids or teenagers probably they might be in a a very tremendous situation maybe it's a love you know uh, breaking just a yeah, romantic breakout uh mm -hmm. you know the heart is just gonna crack there um mm -hmm. some are just hooked on to social media and you know they have been exposed to a lot of stuff and you know in the past we also heard that um there are certain um you know in social media that you know ask you to do crazy stuff and crazy things you know get you mm -hmm. addicted to it and um how can one can prevent from that? Because we can't stop our kids, right? I mean, you, you can't be monitoring them. Parents are busy as well. They go in the morning, they come at night, but uh, uh, work-life balance is there. But then in the same time, they go to monitor their kids. So could we say that we are heading towards a disaster? Because, you know, that something must be done. I know, I know schools got counsellors as well. Uh, but even though, you know, kids are under stress because of educations, because of peer pressures, you know, comparisons that we talked about, um, do you think then, I, I really think that, you know, all ch children should have a therapy as well, you know, just to like what you said, right? Uh, to mm -hmm. go through and to check, make sure that they're on the right track. Mm, actually, the, the, a single experience of therapy uh, is simply to expose them to what can happen, how, how much their life can improve with... Uh, a session of therapy, for instance, they, so they know what they are walking into. Um, as for social media, there's nothing we can do. I mean, it's there. Um, the the access to social media, um, how much exposure they they have to it, and all that. Who who takes charge of these kids? It's the parents, isn't it? So, um, how stringent are they? How much do they talk to their children about these things? Do they have regular conversations about what is how uh, how to be safe on social media? Do do the kids talk to them? Are, are the channels of, of communication open? You know, because you cannot um, put them in a in, in prison. You know, and, and put them away from social media. It's going to be always there. The danger is always there. Mm -hmm. But what we need is for more conversations between parents and their children so that, you know, they, like when you have an, uh, an event that happens, you know, mm -hmm. like an, uh, a tragedy that occurs, you know, and it's reported in the papers, how often do parents sit down and talk to their children about it? And, you know, so that they understand that, that you know, this is not what they want for their children. And right. uh, social media has its dangers, and as uh, you know, it's, it's you're going into dangerous places. And how do you how do you know uh, how to keep yourself safe? You know, so we can't save the whole world, and we cannot put these kids into you know prevent them from accessing social media. I mean, they use social media for learning as well. Right. You know? But the only way to 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 get them to be sensible about it is to talk to them and not just leave it to the school because you know a teacher will have uh, has so many kids to look out for but parents you have what one to four kids to look out for even, even after a hard day's work don't you think you should be chatting with them to find out what's going on mm -hmm. you know Start the conversation and talk about important stuff with your parents. Don't break the connection with them. 
you know, the connection is what we, we deem most important. Communication, not so, but connection. Connection means your child feels comfortable talking to you about everything under the sun. All right? Because you you have you have built your relationship with them like that. Okay? Now, a, a special point about romantic relationships. Okay. Um, especially with the young. All right? This is actually a function of their age. A young person experiencing a romantic breakup compared to an older person, I mean, who has had many rounds of relationships and probably um, a lot of life experience behind them to know that, you know, a breakup is not the end of the world, right? When a young person experiences their first breakup, it, it looks very, very different. I see a lot of young people in that stage. I mean, even up to the age of 21, it still feels like I'm seeing the same thing, right? It's traumatic. The pain is intense, especially when it's the first breakup, the first relationship yeah. the breakup. The first love. The yes, first love. the first love. Um, you, you need to have a lot of empathy for, for sure. people in that position because their pain is very intense and palpable. And, uh, and um, it feels like a catastrophe. It feels like the end of the world. They can't sleep. They can't eat. They find the pain unbearable. It's almost physical. And very often, when they don't have access to therapy, immediate access to therapy, their, their thoughts will turn dark. Okay. Right. Sometimes, depending on their sense of self-worth, I mean, uh, there is shame that is attached to the whole experience because they feel rejected. That depending on who who broke up with whom, you know, so the person on the receiving end will feel a lot of a lot of shame, mm. right? If they come from a place of low self-worth, okay, it's, it kind of feeds their sense of low self-worth. So they feel rejected. Now, this is a per per person who is very vulnerable. Right. right? Yeah. Because they make it all about themselves. Uh, they see themselves as, as a loser when in actual fact, I mean, we all adults know, adults with a greater life experience and many rounds of romantic relationships know that there can be a million reasons why someone broke up. It doesn't so we have, have uh, to be about you. Sorry, Shala. We, we, we have another question here right now. I think this is the right time to bring that in because sure. I think she uh, just asked us, what to do if children don't own, open up to their parents if you talk to children? They said nothing. So probably, you know, a mom is asking the child and the child just keep quiet and keep looking at the phone. Um, as, as you know, as a growing child or teenager, they have some kind of, you know, their own ways and means of, you know, operating. And even sometimes parents are getting huge uh, challenges as well even as a uh, as, as young as 10 years old or even lower than that as well i guess um so that that is a part of growing of them but you know that you know sounds like a little bit of stubbornness but what what is your take on this well you know for for that question i would actually look at the parents of very young children i mean if you've had a history of being alarmed and angry when your child tells you something and 
and you know uh, shock these are responses that don't sit well on young children and uh, uh, and teenagers because they're feeling all of these things but they also don't forget they also love their parents and love their mother and father and don't want to don't want to shock them or frighten mm, them yeah. so you know when i see teenagers that are like 15 and 16 years old and i ask them questions like does your does your mother know what you just told me does your father know just you know what you just told me and often the response i get is no i don't want to worry them you know i know my mom will worry mm-hmm. uh and I, I don't want to bother them and the kind of things. That's, that's the kind of response I get. And, you know, I'll have to speak to them because I can't break my trust with them. I have to persuade them that this issue is so important that we need to discuss this as a family, you know. And I have to work harder at convincing the child that this is something that can be shared with your parents. Your parents are not going to bite your head off, you know. So the question is, how do you build your connection with your children? I mean, how have you responded in the past? Have you been judgmental? You know, have you, um, have you listened to them deeply without interruption, with a lot of empathy? Empathy looks like this. Empathy looks like getting into the hole with your, with your child, experiencing everything exactly the way the child experiences it you know that is true empathy anything less is probably sympathy or and if you know that kind of thing i mean empathy is deep listening and and that can be taught you know i i do have workshops to teach family members how to listen deeply to their teenagers or to their young children it's a very very important skill it shouldn't remain in the domain of counselors and psychotherapists. It's like CPR. Okay. Everybody in a family should know how to do deep to listening. Yes. So deep listening is about genuine empathy. You get into the dark hole with your child and try to see the world through their eyes. Well said, uh, Shaila. Um, we are going to go into the next question right now. Um, so we talked about all about this therapy right now. So pe- some parents will be just wondering what is therapy is all about? Uh, what mm-hmm. the ter- psychotherapist is going to do or psychology? Because I do know uh, a parent, um, mm-hmm. which I have uh, talked to and say that, you know, um, weekly she brings uh, a son to the psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, some, one of her, his friend found out that he's visiting a psychologist every week. And then he mm-hmm. started to spread around and then people making fun of him. So that could be a little bit stress on the parent as well because they always try to keep it, you know, P and C. But in the therapy itself, what does it look like? Oh, uh, what what is good therapy look like, is it? That's right. Is yeah. that the question you're asking? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, my specialty is CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So we work largely with a person's uh, thinking. How is the person thinking? How is the person viewing his world? What perspectives does he have? And uh, so we, we, we focus a lot on and try and pick out negative automatic thoughts a person has and uh, 
core beliefs that are generally negative about themselves and about the world they live in. Okay, so working with somebody's thoughts is a large part of what I do in my work. The other aspect of it is looking at behaviors. Um, you know, getting at it from the angle of behaviors is the fastest way to bring relief to somebody in emotional pain. So, for instance, someone who is depressed, okay? Mm -hmm. Someone right. who is depressed has very low energy, all right? They're often sleeping. They don't want to face the world. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to go to work. You know, this is the, this is the profile of someone who is very depressed. So... The first thing you can change, it is it will feel very counterintuitive for the person. So sometimes you need the help of a family member to, to execute this behavioral change. Help them to get up. Get up, brush your teeth, take a shower, all right? Help them to do that. Raise the energy level a little bit and then go for a walk, right? What this does is this is brain science. This is neuroscience. It, it does wonders for the brain. I mean, your, your feel-good hormones will, will start to spike, you know, and you feel a little better. Some of them have to be forced to do this, you know, but it's a good start. And then eventually when they feel better, they, they, they don't need anybody's help. They know that, you know, if I get up and uh, go for a walk, I'll feel better for a while. This is a behavioral change. And a CBT specialist will be working on that, Okay. So other behavioral changes that you can implement, you know, you can encourage the client to implement meditation. Meditation also changes your brain. Mindfulness meditation, keeping all your senses alive and, and receptive. You know, it's a sensory uh, experience. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily a spiritual or religious experience. It's not that kind of meditation. But something that is mindful is about, uh, about, uh, feeling your world through your five senses, feeling alive, feeling grateful for the body you have, and your sense organs. You know, so you build this part. You know, I call this your stress, uh, anti-stress uh, toolbox. This needs right. to be in the background all the time. You need to build on this all the time. Okay, even in, at times when you don't experience depression. You need to work on this. You need to, 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 to do activities that make you feel good. Art, for instance, music. Don't just be a consumer of music or a consumer of art, but actually get actively engaged in it. You know, um, uh, Make it an all-consuming thing. Like, for instance, for myself, my therapy right. is gardening. And I'm, I, I, and it's all consuming for me. I mean, I, I moved from Singapore to, to the US and, and I had to learn a whole lot of different things about plants, you know, about the four seasons. And there was so much to learn, but I love learning. And it is all consuming for me. Every new plant I got, I needed to learn about it. So that's the kind of um, activities and hobbies you need to start nurturing. And it's good to start with your children, you know, when they are young. 
So how about dancing, Shaila? Do you think dancing can be also one dancing of the... Dancing uh, is great. <laughs> dancing is fantastic. Yeah. You know why? Dancing just does wonders to your endocrine system. There you, you know? go. And, and, and um, spinning, dancing, uh, trampoline work. These are great for your hormonal mechanisms. They go. are great uh, things to do. Exercise. You know, but when you do it, do it consciously in the sense that it's not just for fitness or looking good, but it's good for your mind and good for your soul. So anchor the experience as more than just about looks and fitness. All right, Shaila, so I'm going to give you a secret right now. So before a show starts from Kopi events, the, 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 almost coming to the, the show time, I'll be doing some dancing in the background with some music. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we also love to do that because I love dancing, right? Um, mm -hmm. It basically just increases your dopamine, your serotonin, your oxytocin, and yes. the best part of it is my all the feel good hormones, the oh, whole cocktail yeah. of feel good hormones. Yes, That's right. But you know, some people are just shy, you know, because they're shying about. They, I mean, there's a big thing in our society right now. Uh, what will other people will think of me? Or you know, the judgment and the comments, and you know. Um, so people are always worried, you know, people are very reserved, people are very rigid, um, they're not moving, they're not expressing, like what you mentioned, you know, right? Uh, these are all a very important therapy. And I, I say that these are just, just like interventions, that you do things before a major yes. event may happen to you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I visualize it as like a hammock, you know, you build your hammock, um, get it ready. You know, and so when you hit a wall with your issues and problems and, and, you know, you always can fall back on that hammock. You know, I, I sometimes get clients tell me, oh, I, I'm going through this anxiety, you know, I try to meditate. That's not when you try to learn how to meditate. You can't learn how to meditate when you are in a high state of anxiety. You can't. But you need to practice it when all is well and good, then you can access that as a behavioral strategy more easily. You know what I mean? You don't do it for the first time when you run into a problem. You do it as a daily practice. Um, Shaila, I have just received a message. Uh, probably mm -hmm. I'm not going to mention the name here. Um, I'm just going to use it as... Uh, what shall I use? Okay, shall I just use C? All right, C. Okay, C. Um, all right, all right. C so I'm not going to mention a name here, right? So C is watching here. This is going to be interesting. Wants yeah. to know how do you deal with patients with mm -hmm. trauma background? Is CBT therapy enough to overcome their trauma? Uh, not really. CBT doesn't necessarily go back into the history of childhood trauma, but there are other therapies you can use that are more Jungian and uh, like, for instance, shadow work, you know, sometimes the trauma, if you're talking about ch child, the trauma can be so profound that they don't remember and uh, they don't remember, they don't have a memory of it and they've suppressed all memory of it. So um, they need more uh, intensive kind of therapy that involves, um, you know, more, I call it shadow work, where you go into a child's inner state, the inner child, 
where the yeah. child has become hurt and try to um, distill and pull out the memory first and together. Well, the thing is, there are, you, you might not remember the incident or the series of incidents, but it's buried somewhere in you. Right. So uh, there are techniques to extract the, the memory through sensations in the body. And you pull out right. the sensations first and then, you know, it's like a string, you know, you pull out the sensations and followed, that is followed by some memory, sometimes vague. And then you, you work on it. It takes several sections, sessions and it might, um, it might take many sessions because it's lying somewhere in the unconscious. Right. You know, that's deep, deep therapy. Thank you, yes. Shaila. So we but have I done it? Have I done it with, with yeah. uh, clients? Yes, I have. Okay. And uh, I'd rather speak to the person privately on how okay. that is done. So see, uh, you are watching this right now, so you know what to do. Do not worry, because later I'm giving you certain details of uh, Shaila, so you can actually contact her if you want to. Um, I just received another message as well uh, from the comment session. Uh, thank you, Nirgunavadi. She said that social media can have a massive impact uh, on the mental health of teenagers as well. And um, she said that it can damage their performance in other areas. How to overcome this issue among teenagers? Because it seems like teenagers... Uh, we've been a teenager, but I don't think so. I was giving these kind of uh, issues to my parents because probably it's a different kind of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, but nowadays, teenagers with this social media, I think they can travel all around the world. They can get all kind of information. Um, and I think the parents are having a huge challenge here as we speak. That's, yeah, I know it's a challenge, but, you know, have you laid the groundwork for conversation with your kids? Because... There's not really nothing you can do about what's out there. You can't do anything about what's out there. There's danger everywhere. Okay? But what you can teach your child is how to think about something. You know? So have open, healthy conversations with your children about things that bother you. What, what else can you do? I mean, that, that's the best thing you can do. Right. Um, thank you for the message, uh, Nir Gurumadi. In other words, in other words, Vance, you know, yeah. make your voice, make 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 the parents' voice louder than all these faceless chitter chatter uh, that goes on you. on social media. Uh, you know. Yeah. Give them give I mean, them alternative perspectives on things. Yeah, but but Shala, I'm going to pose a, a difficult point here. Let's see if it's easy for you or difficult, right? But parents are also going through a huge humongous stress. It's another part of that, right? Daily pressures from work, working extra hours, financial issues that we can talk about. And now the, by the time they come back home, they are totally exhausted. And, you know, they are just having a hard time. So I think we are living in a um, in this period of time where, where parents as well also going through a humongous kind of stress as well. So how could they, yes. do you think, I know it's it's not fair. I mean, then you should we should be asking them why you have a child, but they are no. also need they also need help. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, it's like you know the the mask that drops off in the airplane. You know, yeah. you, you use it on yourself first before you help your child. Yeah, we have you know? true. Yeah. 
So maybe <laughs> one one thing you could do is get get some, men, you know, get some help there, get some counseling for yourself first, so that you can, um, you know, know your strength. Because everybody has strengths. I mean. It, it seems like everybody's stressed out, but they're still standing on their own two feet. You know, sometimes I have parents like these turn up at therapy and they go through a massive amount of uh, uh, of, of issues and stress. And, and I reflect back to them that, you know, they're still standing on two legs, you know, they yeah. have strengths. And this is something a therapist can do for people. I mean, uh, like, like my practice, uh, Therapy Rocks, is a strengths-based um practice that means when a client comes in no matter how bad a situation they are in i can find ways to give them feedback that they have strengths they have the capacity to change they have the capacity to try new behaviors or look at things from a different perspective they have all of these capacities and and that gives them hope you know it's, it's therapy is no more like you know those old Woody Allen movies where somebody mm -hmm. lies on a couch, you know, and a therapist sitting on a on a chair with his notebook yeah. and and yeah. he's rambling and away and then, right. and then yeah and 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 then you know the therapist asks some inane question like so how does that make you feel you know that kind of thing I mean it's no more like that. Good therapy is very collaborative. There's a lot of back and forth chatting. There's mm -hmm. a lot of validation of somebody else's feelings, a client's feelings, and um, uh, you allow them to express their feelings. You're not afraid of their feelings. Teach them not to be afraid of their own feelings. Discharge them in a healthy way, you know, so they feel better. And th wow. that's what good therapy looks like. Good therapy is anchored in a good relationship between the client and the therapist. And the therapist believe in the client, okay? That the, that the client has all these capacities despite all his problems, simply because despite everything that he or she is going through, she's still there. She's looking after her kids. She's cooking for her kids. She's bringing kids to school. These are strengths. Nice. Yeah. Then, Shaila, sorry, then then probably what I want to ask you is how is therapy with a professional psychotherapist different from just talking to a friend? Oh, that's you know, a, very a very question. good question. <laughs> yeah, I may have a very good friend and then um, I'll be just talking to him and I'm feeling okay. Yeah, okay. So maybe your, your issues and problems are not that serious, you know? <laughs> okay. So all you needed, probably all you needed was for somebody to be there while you are right. venting. And okay. they are doing active listening, which is a skill that many of us know how to do, right? Um, right, right. So um, active listening sometimes is good enough. You know, even venting, if a, if a friend just wants you to be sitting there and, and, and she or he just wants to vent and, 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 and discharge uh, uncomfortable feelings like anger and all that. And all he needed was to get that out of his system. Then you have done the job. You've, you've, you've satisfied him. But is that enough? That's the question. You know, because the difference between a therapist and a friend is this. A therapist has years and years and years of training and many years of experience seeing mm -hmm. people in the exact same situation as you. 
You take a doctor, for instance. A doctor sees many, many cases of diabetes or many, many cases of asthma. Right. Don't you think he's going to be very good at it? Of course, of course, you definitely be. Yes, great because at it. he can he can see <laughs> it coming from a mile away, right? What to do yeah. about it is very simple for him. It's the same with the psychotherapist. We have seen many, 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 many cases of depression and anxiety. So, and we have the training, we have the therapies that, and we know how to 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 use the different therapies that we have learned. I mean, I I, I have a speciality in CBT as well as transactional analysis. TA is very yeah. good for uh, you know communication and connection. Okay. I won't go into what it's all about. You can go on my website and find out more about TA. It's a very powerful therapy, all right? Especially okay. in conversations between a parent and a teenager or between a boss and his employee, all right? TA comes in useful for that kind of things. So um, yeah, so that's the kind of uh, knowledge that a therapist has, how does it compare to talking to a friend? All right. And um, friends, of course, can give you comfort, like what you did for your friend. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're obviously capable of genuine empathy and deep listening. And that was enough. Okay. But be careful when you give advice because that's where you run into a problem again because. When you ask a friend for an advice on your, a situation you are facing, okay, that advice is come, going to come to you through their pers that person's Experience. filters. Yes. Right. So if you're talking to somebody who say, let, let me give you an example. Sure. If you're, talking, if you're talking to somebody who has had many bad experiences with men, okay, romantic relationships, okay, to the point that she's become a man-hater, okay, Go to that person and ask them about dating and your, your breakups and all that. And they give you a year full about how men are all untrustworthy and, oh. you know, cannot, you know, that kind of thing. So that's they, based they, on their experience, right? They, based yes, on their they, experience, yeah. Based on their own personal experience, yeah. based on their own cultural background, okay. family background, sometimes religious background. So they have agendas and they, they, the, the advice they're giving you is coming through a filter. Okay, which may not be your situation at all. You come from a different family. You have a uniqueness that is very, very, uh, you know, you. You're not that person. So should you be taking the advice of, of that person, even though they are a close friend? There's so many differences between you and her or him. So, you see, this is something that you need to understand. Friends can provide comfort, all right? But when it comes to advice, they're going to give it to you through the lens of their own experience, their own values, their own judgments, their own biases. And, and is that going to be good advice? You tell me. Yeah. Because you want to live your life based on your desires, your aspirations, not theirs. It should be based on your uniqueness, what you want for yourself. Right. All right, Charlotte, then we're going to go into the uh, stigma of therapy. and I mean, we talked about this earlier as well, but, um, you know, um, do you, do you yes. see that very often? I mean, um, especially, right? I mean, 
I, I, I'm not sure about, you know, uh, a lot of the viewers here right now, but, you know, some might have uh, some reservations on, on their part. They might feel a bit shy approaching for help that we talked about earlier. Well, what is more important, the health and well-being of your child or your shyness? It's as simple as that. you got to weigh the options. What's more important to you? Right. Hmm. All right, Shaila. Um, I have another viewer here just asked us, um, how much does this therapy cost and what to consider when looking for a therapist? Okay, I think we've come to the last question, right, about yeah, affordability. That's right. Yes, that's right. I think in Singapore, we're quite lucky. There's a whole range of uh, therapies. I mean, a whole range of services offered, right? Some are government-funded and all that. Yeah. So uh, for young children, I mean, from primary school to all the way up to junior college, you have access to a school counsellor. It's absolutely free as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So why not take advantage of that? Right. You know, so um, sometimes there is a stigma attached to that. Oh, you know, the teachers will know, this other students will know and all that. But you got to weigh mm -hmm. the options. What is more important? you got to make a decision because you can't change the world. You can't change people's attitudes to, to therapy. You can't do that. But you can make decisions that are wise for your own child. Right. You know, Shaila, I mean, when we talk about mental health, um, I mean, this topic can just go for days and days and days. I mean, it's very great to... Uh, if you, you have covered a couple of things here that we talked about, but uh, for parents out there, um, there's one advice that you want to give to them. I mean, um, you know, there's some children who are very vulnerable. They go into depression very quickly without parents uh, monitoring them um, because of the situation that may happen in their school or even when they're going out with their friends. Um, that one advice that you want to give to parents? My one advice would yeah. be to at all costs keep the connection with your child. Right. Don't do battle with your child. Don't pick your battles. I mean, you know, some battles are not worth fighting if it means that you break your connection to your child. Right. So have more conversations with your, with your child. That's so important. Because that's your only defense, I mean, against the outside world. Thank you, Shaila. I'm going to take last one more question and then we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, Vanessa Jacqueline de Cruz, question. I've been fighting my depression and anxiety via medication. So far, it is working. Do you think I will eventually need to see a psychiatrist? Uh, did I read that Correct. Is it meditation or medication? Medicate. Medi medication. Put them medication. Yeah, meditation. So probably with medication, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Vanessa, is, is it meditation or medication? Um, Vanessa, can you correct that for us? Is that a meditation or medication? Right, um, so, oh, meditation. Med yeah, I'm sorry. It's not medication. Meditation. Now it's mediation, actually. Mediation. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, there's a few things there. All right, yeah. Meditation. Okay, meditation. Yeah. Okay, you are uh, wow, applying wow, meditation. meditation. You, you are practicing meditation uh, to, to fight depression and anxiety, and you have found yeah. some success with it. Good. All right, these are uh, behavioral interventions. Huh? And so far, it is working. Well done, yeah. uh, Vanessa. 
um, do you think I will eventually need to see a psychiatrist? Um, are you on medication? Because a psychiatrist is a medical practitioner and um, they, whether they give you psychotherapy depends on their training background. And, and uh, what they give you is actually medication. 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 They can give you medication. They're the only mental health professional, you know, between you psychologists, psychotherapists yeah. and, and psychiatrists. They're the only ones who can prescribe medication. Okay. Psychotherapists right. and psychologists cannot prescribe medication. Medication. Okay. So um, do you eventually need to see a psychiatrist if everything is well and you feel good and you can cope with uh, things. Um, you you don't need to see a psychiatrist. You know, if you feel that your your uh, your mind, you, you know, you you want to explore uh, what's going on in your mind, uh, then you would see a psychotherapist. Okay. Um, okay. Now you tell me that it's medication that you're on and that you have side effects of. Yeah. Mm, okay. Then you should yeah. go back to your psychiatrist and talk about That's it. Right. You know, he may have to change the dosage and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa, for the question. But, but, but you know, you could, you could benefit more from both uh, uh, medica medication, medication as well as psychotherapy. Because... Right. The only mental health professional here who works with your mind is a psychotherapist or counselor. Yeah, and that is the hard work, actually, you know, of, of, of uh, looking into your mind and um, changing the way you think about things. So, together with medication, medication actually puts you, pr properly prescribed medication actually puts you in the right frame of mind for psychotherapy. That's how I see it. That's how both of them work together. Nice. Thank you, Shaila. Thank you, Vanessa, for the question. Um, you want to believe me, Shaila? It's already one hour of uh, having copy with Vance. Uh, yes, that was very, very fast. I know yeah. caffeine in the middle of the night will give me... Yeah. Oh, you want? <laughs> do you take it or you don't? No, I don't. I'm you drinking water. <laughs> it's so hot here in Singapore. Tell me about it. Uh, back in Texas, what is the temperature like? Oh, it's just as hot, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Without the humidity. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, Shara, thank you so much. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, it just feel like I just started this just five minutes of this podcast, but, you know... Um, it, it just ran over more than one hour right now. And a lot of great points that we talked about, and I'm sure there's even more points that we want to share, but due to time constraint, then, um, you know, we got to cut it short. But um, yes. I'm really grateful and um, really appreciate you joining us for the second time um, at Kopi Advance. Just that you're not drinking coffee, you're drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Vance, for having me. Um, yeah, yes. and uh, our podcast will be moved to Spotify within the next 48 hours. So viewers out there, if you're watching this right now, please give us a thumbs up if you think that me and Shaila has done a great job or if you think that we are doing a good job. 
please do share so that more people can, you know, get all this information in Spotify as well, as well, you know, MRT or train or even in the bus or, you know, you can just listen it up, right? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, viewers, especially all the viewers who are just listening. And I know um, some of the viewers have certain questions, but probably they don't want to ask. It's perfectly fine. Um, if you do have a certain question that you want to ask, Sharila, you can always um, send it to us and then I will forward it to her. Um, Sharila, also, if viewers want to approach you, um, which platform they can do? You do want to share that um, as well? I think you can uh, give them my uh, email address. Okay, sure. You know, the, the Therapy Rocks email address. Right, I'll that do would that. be great because I prefer getting an email because you know it's okay. more, more detailed and yes, yep. And uh, the fact that I'm going to go back to the US shouldn't make a difference, okay. you know. I mean, uh, I'm an online therapist actually, most okay. of my work is still online, right? So I, and I'm very, clued, I'm very clued in on what's going on in Singapore okay. because I have family <laughs> here and friends here, yeah. yes. Uh, for viewers out there, so. Do take note that it is PNC, all right? Um, so Shaila will contact you, you know, via email. So do drop us a message and then I can forward that to her as well. Um, thank you, Shaila. Is there anything else you want to say before we say adios, amigos? Um, I guess just hold your children dear and near and, you know, keep the channel open. Keep the relationship intact, you know, as much as you can. And forget about the stigma. It's not worth considering or looking at, really. And so what if the world thinks this way about you? Stop shaming the process of therapy, all right? And be an advocate for it. Talk to other parents and other people, you know, about how good therapy is. It really rocks. It's awesome. Thank you, Shaila. Um... I mean, if time permits, we'll definitely meet for that coffee. Uh, enough of virtual for the second time, but I know you have a very tight schedule with your <laughs> online uh, therapy sessions as well as your, you know, things that you need to settle in Singapore as well. In the same time, enjoying yes. your good food. But if there's an opportunity, we will definitely will catch kopi okay. or coffee, whatever we want to call it. Thank yes. you, Shaila. Thank you so much. We will Thank stay you. in touch. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that's Shaila and it was a great session with her over the past uh, one hour, I got to say. Uh, I really enjoyed this session with Shaila. Um, great podcast and this is our new podcast that will be pushed to Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So please do join us. I think the month of May is just purely fully on mental health and uh, we, I had, we had great speakers on board with us. We got Yana, we got Dr. Ravi, we got Shaila, and a very good friend of mine, Dr. Arinda Singh, who talked about mental health as well. I mean, it's a great month of May, but we are coming back on June on a different set of topics on health. Uh, right now, I'm just getting a message. Who's sending me a message right now? Coffee with the viewers? Uh, why not? Right? Anything with coffee, I'm always there. Uh, why not? With the, <laughs> thank you so much for your constant support and your sharing as well. Thank you, viewers. Um, a great fruitful month of May. Uh, thanking every one of you. Thanking every viewers who are watching this. Please do share and like. Um, on the comment section, I also have stated, uh, I mean, I have placed it um, a few numbers 
from the mental health uh, organizations as well, helpline. Um, if anyone need help, please contact them. Uh, if you want to get touch with Shaila, drop me a message and I will forward your email to her so that she can contact you. And then if you do need help and uh, stay safe, um, stay happy, be full of energy and I'll catch you on the next show of Kopi with Vance. Till then, adios, ami goals.